Hey, I'm Doug Meyer, one of your associate pastors, and it's really great to be with you in worship this morning. Man, um, just looking on uh, the internets and social media, you guys have been busy this weekend. How many of y'all have been uh, to a graduation or uh, some such or about to have a graduation? Raise your hand. Yeah, boy, it's that time of year, isn't it? How, uh, anybody here go to prom last night? <laughs> no, anybody have a kid go to prom last night, Miss Karen? Yeah, everybody, all end happily ever after, I hope. When one of my boys went to prom, we woke up, he woke up the next morning in jail. So, that's just another story. It's all good, it's all good. Not that it would happen to your kid, it's all good. It's all good. It's all good. Oh, man, Meyer boys, the Meyer boys. Hey, uh, we're going to continue today talking about influencers, being influential, being the recipient of that which is uh, targeted, if you would. So I came up with a little definition. Being uh, the recipient of uh, an influencer means that you are, something has caught your ear, your heart, or your mind, and is acting or trying to get you to think or act differently. All right. Catches your ear, your heart, your mind, trying to get you to think or act differently. All right. Got that? All right. So I haven't preached in here in a while, but usually when I ask questions, y'all respond. Okay. Let's just. So, like when I say, y'all got that, your answer is? Yes. All right. We're going to need to work together on this today, y'all. So, um, knowing that, have you been influenced in the last 48 hours? Has something caught your ear, your heart, or your mind and invited you to think or act differently? That's what our world is all about nowadays, it seems like, right? Every time we turn a corner, we're being influenced. You're here this morning, and hopefully your heart, your ear, your, your mind somehow is going to be uh, challenged to think differently. So I, um, man, I got a really cool influencer, and uh, he's over 500 years old. Yeah, big old uh, pudgy monk guy, kind of like me. I was auditioning for the part. So I think we're going to throw a picture of him up there. His name is, anybody know that guy? Martin Luther. All you history buffs. Ever heard of the Protestant Reformation? It's on him. What did he do? What did he think? How was he an influencer? Big, big, big time influencer. He, uh, in all of his uh, bravado, um, kind of puffed up to the Pope and the Catholic Church in a great big old way and called them out in a day and time when that was a, a no-no, like huge no-no, like off with your head kind of no-no, like don't be messing around with church with a capital C. About the same time that he was on the scene, we're talking about 15, 17, 15, 20, 20, you know, all through there, there was a really important invention created that catapulted his word out into the world. Anybody know what it was? Printing press. Isn't that interesting that the printing press is a really critical part of what we're talking about today? He even said the printing press is the ultimate gift from God. He was foremost a communicator a communicator of the faith. And communicators need platforms on which to get their message, what? Out. He was also a prolific writer. He was a big, deep thinker of all things God and Jesus and the Bible. 
and he wrote a whole bunch of what we're going to call term papers. A whole bunch of, in that day, they were called theses. 95 of them, actually. And on one day, he went up to uh, the cathedral, and they didn't have post-it notes, they didn't have duct tape, they didn't have anything else. So how, how did he attach it to the door to get everybody's attention? Hammered it to the door. Well, um, I'm not a huge history buff, but I thought, well, that's really interesting. Was that the first time that's ever been done? No, actually, back in that day, that was the way, if you wanted to invite the church or leadership, city hall, anyway, if you wanted to get attention, that's how you did it. You said, here, I want y'all to think about something. And you nailed it to the door. Wow, aren't you glad that's not happening today? All these political flyers we get. Hey, if you don't mind, I'm just gonna, uh, I'm gonna hammer this to your front door. You don't mind? So, within two weeks of doing that, now mind you, right over here, print and press, print and press, all of those theses were printed and distributed all the way from Germany to England, one of the very first times something like that had ever happened. Huh, what do you think is going to be the fallout of that? He believed that, quote, writing, preaching, and teaching and the Bible should be understand, understood by the common folk. Why was that a big thing? Well, that was a big thing because in that time, especially with the hierarchy of the church, uh, preaching often was in Latin. Most all of the Bibles that were available were in Latin. Do you know how many people spoke Latin back then? How many people in here speak Latin? About that many spoke Latin. So if you think about it, if you don't speak the language, but the people in power speak the language, what might the people in power be able to do? Tell you anything they want to tell you, because you don't really understand. But you understand because of the history in your relationship to the church that if the big guy up front says it, that you're going to do what? Believe it. So do you hear the rumblings already? So Martin Luther was very aware of the need to communicate with the common people. So he, uh, besides a guy named Mr. Gutenberg, uh, translated one of the very first New Testaments from Latin into what they called common German. Common, not highbrow, highfalutin German, but everyday German. And again, because of the print and press, the Bible became widely available. One of the commentaries I read said that if, in, if then, like now, uh, they had been keeping score, that he would have been a New York Times bestseller. They predict that within the first month of the printing press and the Bible uh, being published, that over 5,000 copies were distributed. Now, you've got to get how, how amazing that was because um, only the big churches had them and only the super rich had the church, had the Bible before that. See, do y'all, are you beginning to get kind of a little uh, difference between big capital C church and the people down here? And what, what was Martin Luther trying to do? Yeah, he, uh, he was a little irritated with everybody. So he kept poking and pushing and poking and pushing against the, the, the Catholic Church and all the um, folderol, bishops and committees and meetings and blah, 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 councils and 
all of that. He was that irritating guy on the agenda that would go, I declare my time, I reserve my time, you know, just to the point of, they hunted him down and tried to execute him, but because he was so widely known because of the printing press, they're like, ooh, probably wouldn't be good to kill that guy. Word's gonna get out and man, we're really gonna be in deep trouble. You know what his number one beef with the church was? This thing called indulgences. Maybe you've heard a little bit about that from way back when, but essentially it was, uh, let's say you have a loved one pass and you really wanted in writing a guarantee that that loved one went, in the language back then it was from uh, purgatory to heaven, okay? And you're like, you know, they were good most of the time. They were kind of nice, so I did see him kick the cat that time. And, you know, so you, you weren't confident your loved one was going to get on up there. You would uh, buy an indulgence from the church, which was actually a printed fancy certificate. And depending on how much you gave, that was how much the church would pray your loved one on up into heaven. You think that's a good thing? Um, and you know who the majority of the market was for that? Really poor people. Really poor people who didn't have the money to do that. So this ticked off uh, Martin Luther to the point that he said, why does not the Pope, whose wealth is greater than the wealth of Crossius, another big person, build the Basilica of St. Peter with his own money rather than the money of poor believers? You think that endeared him to headquarters? No. No. So in the midst of being a, uh, a theological troublemaker, a theological truth teller, he was also in his own personal conundrum because his life was intersecting with that which he had been raised on of if you do good things, you will be rewarded with Paul's concept of grace. Hmm. So what's that mean? What's that, Pastor Doug? Well, that's what we're going to talk about the rest of the time this morning, grace. You know, we in the uh, Methodist Church did not manufacture grace. <laughs> we are big uh, distributors of it, so to speak, but we did not come up with the term. If you have your Bible with you, turn with me to page, or page, <laughs> everybody turn to page 1433. Sometimes I just crack me up. Uh, Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2, 4. Thank you, Sister Karen, for your glasses. Now you can't. I'll read to you. All right. So hear now the word of the Lord. But God, who is rich in mercy, out of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead through our trespasses, trespasses, sins, bad things, we just did, made us alive together with Christ, by grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Jesus Christ, so that in the ages to come, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Listen up. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. This is the gift of God, not 
the result of works. My friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Gracious God, we hear your word. We read it and we wonder, what does it have to do with us? Help us this very day to open our hearts and our minds and allow it to penetrate us to our core. In your name, amen. Grace, grace, grace. You know, we, um, I'm going to make some assumptions, and I, and I think they're, I'm fairly confident with them. Uh, we like grace. Everybody here like grace? Everybody like? Uh, so the fancy definition of grace is unmerited favor. Unmerited favor, meaning you and I did not do anything spectacularly special other than breathe to receive God's love. Everybody in favor of that? Aye. So we are great recipients of it. Be careful because there's a catch here. We love to take it. Love, 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 love it. Love it when y'all love me. But, especially when God loves me, how are we at pivoting and giving that out? hard, isn't it? I believe we live in a scorekeeper, what you done for me lately kind of world. We like people to have to earn their way in all facets of life. You need to be good to get good. At the end of the day, that's between you and your creator. My task as a fellow believer is to extend to you what? Come on now. Grace. Let's just be real honest for a minute. It's dang hard, isn't it? It is hard. It is hard because we somehow think we have license to decide who deserves it or not. And we use that filter very broadly. Anybody in here got a running list on the sidecar, on the like dashboard of their car? Yeah, no, not today. There, no, nope, nope, nope. Not those people. Not that person for sure. Not, oh, nope, nope, nope. I mean, it's hard, y'all. Turn on the news. God loves all people. And all people are, at the end of the day, accountable for their actions. But in the meantime, we have to do the part, I believe, of loving them. I'm going to give you, the, like, brand new this morning, last night. Guy that went into that grocery store and shot up a bunch of people in Buffalo. <sighs> that makes me crazy. That's a whole other subject. But you know what I'm supposed to do? Extend to him grace. That does not mean that there are not... Um, responsibilities and actions and laws that we have a system for. But in the meantime, my role as a man of faith and yours as a person of faith is to extend to them grace. Our actions do not take us away from being a beloved child of God. That stays intact. That's hard stuff, isn't it? You got anybody in mind right now that you'd like to say no, no? Now that person, I got a running list, so if you don't have anybody, I'll give you a couple names. <laughs> I'll own it, y'all. It's hard. It is hard to, to live into that which we believe, especially when it comes to distribution. Kind of like here in America right now, we're having a distribution issue. 
We Christians, I believe, are having a distribution issue. We are great at receiving grace. Mm -mm -mm, bring it, bring it, bring it. I love me some grace. But when we flip the coin and something happens at home, at work, on the road, in the grocery store, on the news, <laughs> we're like, hmm, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I think I better pray about that, which is code for I'm stalling, I'm buying time, I'm thinking about what I know I'm supposed to do. Anybody resonating with me here this morning? So I want you to do a little, little experiment with me. Imagine the person right now that's kind of in your crawl. Everybody got one? You have them pictured right in front of you? You know what I mean by that? Crawl. That's kind of an old-fashioned pawpaw word, isn't it? Um, that person right now that's just irritating, ticked you off, you know, fill in the blanks, that you're, you're convinced is beyond reach. Your sister-in-law... I just threw that out there. Everybody's good with their sister-in-law this morning, I guess, huh? Uh, imagine that God said to you, I want you today to extend to them limitless grace. I want you to treat them like a beloved child of God. How would that work out? That's tough stuff, isn't it? Because we, like I said earlier, we're a scorekeeping, scoreboarding kind of culture. We like the idea that we might be a little bit better than somebody else. We like that we do a whole lot of do-gooder kind of things. And it's nothing wrong with doing do-gooder kind of things for the right reason. But the right reason isn't to get in some book that so when God opens up with, oh, look at there. Doug Meyer did a lot of good things. Man, I'm so proud of him. Okay, I'll get him. Doug, go to the waiting room. It's not, that's not how it works. We do what we do as a response to that which we have received, not to get that which we have already received. Did you get that? Get that little... <laughs> we do it as a response to being loved unconditionally. Jesus said numerous times throughout the New Testament, go and do what? Two words. Likewise. Go and do likewise, which means what? Go and do just like I did. And people like Doug Meyer go, hmm, I'm not really, I'm not so sure. But friends, I, I think if we go, are going to allow ourselves to be influenced by that which we say we believe, then we are to take that in and to turn that and be an influencer through our actions, through our words, through those little things. What did I say at the very beginning? Have you seen something, heard something? Has your heart been touched by something in order for you to change your mind? Sometimes being a person of grace transcends our ability to think it because our brain says, Ooh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Remember that time? Remember what they said about you? And remember, remember, remember? God says, love we say keep score. Grace says love unconditionally. It was a gift that we have received. And now as a community, as a people gathered together who are all recipients of that grace, we are to go and do likewise. Not to gather and say, hmm, we're going to keep us a list. Over here's the people that we're going to love and over here's the people we're not going to love. And then God, you do with what you need to with these people. 
Our task is to go and love. Man, I wish, as one of your pastors, I could say that I had that all figured out. But it is hard stuff. In my life, I have had folks who I have um, mentally kept score with, that they have hurt me, and I have carried that woundedness for a long time. And I am uh, praying every day right now, my prayer is, God, help me root that out, because it is not helping me to be that person which God has designed me to be. Anybody else got stuff like that they're carrying around? Look to the person to your right and just size them up. Look at them real hard right now. I bet you they are. Look to your left. I bet maybe they are. What do you think? Y'all, it's a part of the human condition that we have a hard time letting go and offering forgiveness and offering grace. It is only through the Holy Spirit, the power of our loving God, that we might be able to do that. So this morning I want to close. I don't have a funny little anecdote story. I don't have a little go do and go. I have a challenge. Go home. Pray for God's help in extending grace to that person that you most don't want to. That person who has hurt you, wounded you, said bad things, da-da-da-da-da-da. Ask God for help in extending to them the same unmerited love and grace that you've received. Can you pass it on to somebody else? Hard stuff. Let's pray. Gracious God, we confess that uh, a lot of this thing called loving and living like you taught us, that we get it right sometimes, but a lot of times we don't. We let our own selfish needs get in the way. Thank you, God, that you forgive us. God, most of all, we need help in identifying those places and rooting them out and pulling them out and moving on. Because at the end of the day, we all want to be living fully as the person you designed and dreamed us to be. In your name we all pray. Amen.